When it comes to modern geopolitical change, and there's no doubt that today we need to talk about the word power, and also, as the saying goes, powers is important. But given the fact today, when we look at the complexity of the geopolitical change, I think the word diplomacy even matters more. But how should we understand the word diplomacy, given the fact that today no one is actually playing the games fairly? Selfishly speaking, every single country today is thinking about this geopolitical benefits and also this economic long-term planning partnership with some of the larger companies, some of the larger investment opportunities. In this episode, we need to bring one country into our conversation, which is the country of India. Given the fact today that India today is competing neck to neck with the neighboring country, for example, in China. As a matter of fact, some believe that India today, because of the growing competition, start to roll out what we called a tiger warrior diplomacy, which might sound similar to China's wolf warrior diplomacy. But meanwhile, this diplomacy has drawn heavy criticism and also could face backlash among the international communities. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to invite our distinguished speaker, which is Mr. Colonel Prohit. Again, Colonel is a journalist in India. We're Colonel, and welcome to The Missing Piece. Thank you so much, Will. It's, it's an absolute pleasure joining you and, and, and chatting with you on this Sunday morning. Uh, look forward to the chat, Will. Absolutely, Colonel. Again, we're very excited to uh, having this conversation with you, too. Now, as we mentioned before, initially when I discovered you, because this amazing article that you wrote, which is entitled, Modi's Tiger Warrior Diplomacy, it's harming India's interests. Now, let's dive into the question right away. Within this article, you mentioned something, what we called, or what you addressed, called Hindu majoritism. And also, there's another popular term today we have to understand. It's called Hindu supremacy. Now, Kuno, from your perspective, let's start from, from the fundamental question. What is the difference, or what are the differences between those two? And also, why is that so significant for Narendra Modi, or even for the Modi government, to promote this Hindu majoritism? Your thoughts? Well, uh, to understand why... Uh, Narendra Modi is invested in promoting this particular brand of politics, one has to understand the broader context of his politics uh, and the politics of the party that he belongs to, the BJP. Uh, the BJP his, has been founded on, on the ideals of its of its ideolog ideological mothership of sorts, mm. which is the RSS, which firmly believes in a Hindu-first approach, uh, which, which has, you know, uh, in the past sort of denied the fact that India should be a secular country. They firmly believe that India should be a country first for the majority Hindus and then for the remaining for the remaining populations of different religions. Uh, and that is really the premise on which uh, Narendra Modi's politics is also based on. Mm. Uh, the brand of Hindu nationalism that I described is, is particularly this, is the belief that Hindus have to be placed above in the pecking order, above all the other religions that exist in India. Uh, as we all know, India is possibly one of the most diverse countries in the world. Its secularism and its pluralism have been its strengths uh, since it, it, it became an independent nation in 1947. Mm. Um, and, and, and the diversity that we see in India, both in terms of religions, uh, also in terms of languages, is something that we've always taken 
pride in and it's also a part of the indian constitution which was written um when india was 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 made an independent country when india became an independent country but uh, but what has happened is in this brand of hindu nationalism uh the diversity is is not something that you know, hindu nationalists are particularly proud of mm. hindu nationalists believe that that in 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 the race to become a secular country and provide equal opportunity somewhere the hindus have lost out on their primacy over other religions uh and and if you understand will this is very similar to the rhetoric that a lot of the white nationalists uh in countries like the us and and in other european countries have uh, where they believe that the white populations of those countries have lost out because the the country these have seen you know migration by different communities and and people of different races um and that is precisely also uh, you know some sort of a sentiment that is found in hindu nationalists uh, they believe that they were the original inhabitants of the land and hence every other religion people of every other religion were originally hindus and hence hindus you know deserve uh, a, a higher sort of pecking order uh, and a higher place in the pecking order more so so that is really what the the politics of it is founded on it and this brand of politics has has existed uh, since the founding of the rss in the 1920s but the bjp under mr modi has has become possibly the most powerful expression of this brand of politics mm. since india's independence um, the bjp hasn't been in power for too long in in india's modern history uh, barring a, a five year term uh, between 2000 uh, 2000 between 99 and 2004 mm. uh, the bjp not really been in power directly so these particular 10 years that mr modi has been power in power uh, those have been some of you know some of the sort of most strongest uh, modes of expression that hindu nationalism has found because mr modi doesn't you know he's not a part of a coalition government his his party currently enjoys a majority on its own mm. so he doesn't need other parties to come on board which means that he gets more space to then pursue his brand of hindu nationalist politics mm. you know colonel it's interesting that you mentioned that narendra modi it's very much interested in promoting this hinduism or this hindu supremacy but meanwhile let's go back to this article again you're titled the article entitled regarding this what we called tiger warrior diplomacy again it's similar as i mentioned in the intro some called it neighboring country which is china tends to roll out this wolf warrior diplomacy and also within the article that it doesn't seem to be very pleasing and also we'll say satisfying for the west to understand this what you called tiger warrior diplomacy so my next question is can you help us with better understanding what exactly is modi's tiger warrior diplomacy and also given the fact he realized that if china continues to roll out the similar policy china is not on a good term with any other country for example i mean to be specific so don't you think it's a dangerous diplomatic strategy if narendra modi chooses to go down the path and also it's going to become much more difficult can attract much greater economic partnership after rolling out presumably this tiger warrior diplomacy your thoughts so let me break down the the response to that will uh, um, for those of the, those of the people who are listening into this and haven't read the piece 
Uh, just to broadly give the context of why I call this Tiger Warrior Diplomacy, mm. um, what has happened in India today, especially as I said in the last 10 years, is that along with Hindu nationalism, a very a very powerful component of that Hindu nationalism is, is this projection of India as being somewhat of a rising superpower mm. in, in, in the world. Um, so, for instance, if you see the, 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 the G20 summit that's going to happen in the next few days in New Delhi, the, 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 the motto of the G20 summit under India's presidency is, is, is a Sanskrit phrase which stands for all of the world is a family. Uh, and, and that phase is also part of the BJP's manifesto uh, in, in sort of promoting this idea that, you know, uh, that, that, that a Hinduized India looks at the entire world as its family. But that, but that India deserves its rightful place at, as somewhat of a world leader. Mm. Uh, the, the exact phrase that Hindu nationalists use is Vishwa Guru, which literally, literally means a leader of the world. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very important for India to project that it is no longer going to listen to lectures or, or you know, strictures passed by any of the Western countries, for instance, on issues like human rights, as as troubling as they may be in, in Modi's India right now. Um, and, and that is the reason why, why you know, um, in the Indian government under Mr. Modi has promoted what I call this very aggressive form of diplomacy, uh, which which believes that, uh, you know, really turning the head on, on, on the word diplomacy, uh, it, it really believes that we don't have to be diplomatic about mm. what we stand for more. Uh, we have to be unabashed. We have to be brash sometimes. We have to be assertive and also arrogant, um, you know, which 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 may come across to a lot of people uh, because they believe that India's interests have to be protected and India has to be constantly projected for a domestic audience. India has to be constantly projected as a country which is now not going to hold back its punches anymore. Um, so that so that is the reason, that is the genesis of this this brand of tiger warrior diplomacy, you know, where India really, for instance, for instance, I mean, I'll give you some examples. Um, you know, a few years ago, I think it was in 2020, uh, when the when the United States uh, brought out the U.S. the the U.S. Commission of International Religious Freedom, it pointed to India's and Mr. Modi's troubling record of treating its minorities, mm. and and to use the word, it 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 called India a country of particular concern because it, it believed that India was taking a downward turn mm. when it came to protecting its secular values, uh, and and the Tiger Warrior diplomacy comes in here. The, the response to this this particular you know charge uh, by the report came from India's foreign minister S Jai Shankar, who said that India uh, designates the commission as as an organization of particular concern. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it was almost a tit for tat. It, it wasn't, uh, in my view, it wasn't a very nuanced or a measured response to what its criticisms could be. Uh, you know, it, it didn't mean to logic please sift through the, the criticism and address them uh, and, and you know sort of offer rebuttals. It just it just sought to paint and, and broad brush this organization as, as having some sort of an agenda and calling it names. Um, this is this is this is not what diplomacy uh, as we've known it stands for. You know, this is a different brand of especially Indian diplomacy, which we've seen in the last 10 years, but but mostly in the last five years. Uh, so, you know, this is this is one example of of the wolf warrior diplomacy. Uh, sorry, the tiger warrior diplom diplomacy, which is which is somewhat similar to the wolf warrior diplomacy that China is known for. 
I'll give you another example of this. Uh, you know, a, a few weeks ago, the there was an Indian Parliament building that was inaugurated. It's a new building that was uh, commissioned under Modi, and it was inaugurated by the Prime Minister himself. Um, and the Indian, uh, the, the Parliament building featured a mural. Um, the mural had what looked like a map of India, mm. except that its its boundaries were not set in modern day Indian boundaries. Uh, the the map included or what what looked like it included countries like Pakistan, like Bangladesh, parts of Afghanistan uh, into its fold, and and also Nepal. You know, so all of its immediate neighbors were included in the Indian, uh, you know, sort of the Indian territorial map that that the mural contained. Now, obviously, all of India's neighbors complained. You know, mm. uh, all of them issued issued statements. Uh, there were, in fact, even street protests against this map in countries like Nepal, which have always been very friendly to mm. India. Uh, and among one of the countries that protested was also our neighbor Pakistan, with with whom, you know, as your as your listeners would know, India hasn't shared cordial ties since, right. since the two countries separated in 1947. Now, the response to to something like this should have been a lot more measured. Uh, but but again, India's foreign minister, when he was asked. Uh, you know, about Pakistan's criticism and its objections to the map showing Pakistan to be a part of India. He said, you know, I don't expect Pakistan to understand. You know, now, 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 that, those are the kind of statements where, where I, I sort of, you know, again, want to point out to, to this projection that India will not hold back its punches. India doesn't need to explain its stances anymore. And India is a rising superpower. And, and you know, no one should really be um, be, be sort of confident enough to tell India what to do, mm. uh, because India knows best. Uh, and that is really the, the brand of diplomacy that the Modi regime is increasingly standing for, mm. uh, Will. Kurul, you know, it's in, again, it's rather significant that you repeated yourself many times that it's time today that India is no longer holding back its punches. But let's bring another piece of reality into our conversation. India is going to host the G20 summit. But meanwhile, India just participated the BRICS summit. And also, India is a very active member in the Quad relationship. You know, to be honest, not too long ago, I spoke to another expert on Indian foreign policy. The way the person put it to say, India today, it's a very active in engaging with the foreign policy. So in other words, it doesn't matter it's invited or uninvited. India would like to build a presence and also to form this relationship with any other a country whatsoever. Now, the question to you is, hypothetically, if under Narendra Modi continue to roll out this Tiger Warrior diplomacy, how do you think it's going to play out with other partners in the Quad or in the BRICS or in the G- uh, G20 summit? So in other words, I mean, again, let's bring another uh, piece of information is we're looking at the war in Ukraine today. The last thing we want is to create another enemy with any other partners. I think today we need more partnership. We don't need more enemies or we don't need more conflicts. So based on your coverage and based on your report, as you mentioned before, the beef with a mural map and also the explanation with the Pakistan, etc. How do you think Narendra Modi or this Modi administration, it's 
balancing the conflict and also managing or handling this tiger warrior diplomacy at the same time. What do you think? I think we've been already seeing signs of of this brand of diplomacy hurting Indian interests, mm. uh, and this is precisely what the point uh, the the point of the piece was to argue that it is now beginning to hurt India's interests. Um, so, for instance, uh, you know, in June, Prime Minister Modi made a made a state visit to the U.S. and mm. you know he was hosted by President Joe Biden. Um, while a lot of the media coverage was focused on how you know the visit was such a such a great success and he was you know he delivered a speech to both houses um you know he was hosted at a state day state banquet while all of this was true uh, what was also simultaneously happening was there were a lot of protests by people in washington dc mm. including by congressmen and congresswomen as well as senators uh, so you know that was the that was the other side of for instance even when prime minister modi addressed both 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 houses um you know there were there were a lot of empty seats because a lot of senators and congress uh, uh, people decided to boycott the speech and then these are these are according to media reports from the us um so you know you're you're already seeing that that happen the other example that i'd like to give you is that simultaneously while you know mr modi was in the us what we saw happening in brussels was that the european parliament was discussing and then approved with a majority a resolution that condemned uh, you know the indian government but mr modi's uh, policies of hindu nationalism mm. and how it is driving a wedge between different religions in the indian northeastern state of manipur uh, you know where we are seeing two different tribal groups uh, mm. really at at a war with each other for the last 4 3 4 odd months now So you know we're already seeing this 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 pushback uh, by different players uh, we're also seeing how different countries may not be explicitly you know coming out and and sort of speaking about this on the on the podium but as I, as i mentioned previously you know the the US commission on on international religious freedom when it's issuing such statements um you know that is that it's 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 a part of the US government it's it's not an independent i mean it is an autonomous body but it is still an american entity uh, and and its reports are typically released by the us secretary of state um, so when the reports talk of how india is a country of particular concern how india is taking a downward slope and and how india's policies are increasingly targeting india's minorities uh, let's let's be very clear that this is all being taken note of in in various state capitals when mm. um what is what is happening uh, thankfully for the modi government is that because we we're we're now seeing strategic competition between china and the rest of the world in some ways heating up uh, a lot of the western powers are placing and hedging their bets on india uh, as somewhat of a regional power or you know who could who could counter china in the region especially mm. um you know it is it is really statecraft where where we're trying to you know create uh, an alternative power in the region uh, who could keep china somewhat tied down mm. and engaged in region, while china has global aspirations and global ambitions uh, so what we're seeing as a result of that will is that india's stock is clearly rising among foreign countries who are apprehensive of china's rise which is why you're seeing a lot of foreign nations wanting to invest in india wanting to build stronger ties with india um but but 
the larger the larger arc of of this journey will is 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 somewhat disturbing because we've seen over and over and there are various examples in in modern history where you know each time a certain region becomes the focus of attention for the world it's only a matter of time before the world decides to move on mm. to the next such region right and 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 the the most potent example is is what we saw in afghanistan uh where you know suddenly the us decided one day that that it was going to pack its bag and and and, and go off and hand over power to the very same guys who it had fought against and it had unseated uh this is exactly what i'm what 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 i'm you know trying to also warn in the piece that while india's strategic um you know sort of viability and india's strategic advantages at, at this point are rather high uh, and as a result of which india will not face any major pushback from any of these especially the western countries mm-hmm. who hope to build stronger ties it shouldn't take this support for granted mm-hmm. uh, you know beyond the medium term because things can change and things ultimately do change nothing there is no particular there is no status quo that remains forever especially in a field as as fickle as geopolitics that's right kunal again i agree with you at this moment when we look at the war in ukraine and we're looking at again the complexity of the geopolitical change nothing it's certain or nothing can be certain at this moment now let's move on to the next question within the article that again couple statements that regarding what we called india's global image let me ask a very simple question how much do you think narendra modi actually care about the global image today i mean again i might use one example we can criticize any other countries we're looking at from this economic perspective we'll look at from this foreign policy or social changes it's fair to say that every single country today is being criticized for certain reasons. Some countries they care about their global image greatly and they will love to repolish, they will love to refurbish their images so that they can gain more attraction. Other countries basically roll out this diplomacy to say you say whatever you want but I don't really care. So at this moment from your perspective despite everything you ex- you just explained how much do you think that Narendra Modi actually care about the global image or is it time for him to say hey listen we are a different country we have different history and we have different diplomacy we have different relationship so why don't you mind your own business and let us to do what we can do because we are the indians and we know the history and we know the strategy better than anyone else in the world what do you think that is what is so fascinating will uh, about the modi regime is that it it constantly sorts to project this 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 image that it doesn't really care about what the world mm. says uh, as i said that you know india is not going to hold back anymore except at the same time uh, the projection of india being a global power is extremely important to narendra modi's brand of politics right now mm. um, what is important to him as 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 you know as in the domestic circuit especially in the domestic audiences that he has is to project himself as somewhat of a global statesman whose word is paid heed to you know whose whose charisma uh, cuts across differences that that sort of image is extremely popular especially on indian social media 
which is you know which is really full of a lot of lot of this kind of projection by modi's party the bjp uh, so we see a lot of videos we see a lot of memes we see a lot of whatsapp messages and on facebook as well which which constantly seek to you know project india's image as, as somewhat of a global power mm. uh, so it is important for uh, mr modi to project india and and for it, for it to care about india's image but at the same time it also wants to constantly signal to its domestic constituents that india doesn't really matter what the world says mm. or thinks about it right so this dichotomy is is often seen uh, you know very glaringly and it, the contradictions are are very very clear sometimes and i'll give you an example of this when when the manipur resolution that i just spoke about a few minutes ago was being tabled in in the european parliament uh you know india's response to it was that it it doesn't really it doesn't really you know care about uh, these resolutions that you know that that it doesn't have to justify itself um but just at the same time in, and i'm going to take us you know a couple of years back 3 years ago when india decided to strip uh, you know the conflict ridden uh, region of jammu and kashmir of its special status uh there was a lot of international condemnation condemnation of of how india decided to do mm. it uh, it was really an overnight decision thousands of people thousands of political activists uh thousands of political leaders you know ordinary citizens were all placed under house arrest uh and were all detained in different parts of the region when uh, when you know the narendra modi government decided to bring in a special law in the indian parliament and get it approved where it said that the region's uh, special status doesn't remain anymore now at that point to counter the criticism of of the world what it decided to do was that it decided to get a bunch of european members of, of parliament uh, and take them to kashmir to show them how kashmir was absolutely normal mm. and that people were happy and that you know the criticism was really unwarranted so it organized a tour at a time when it was you know when it was being very very careful about even letting journalists go there and report freely right but it decides to get all of these mps to come to jammu and kashmir and show them uh, and highlight the normalcy of the region uh, but when it came recently to the manipur resolution which was which was adapt uh, which was approved by the same european parliament india turns around and says oh but we don't need we don't need your you know validation at all uh you know we will we will do what we have to do so so these 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 glaring contradictions often bear themselves uh, and and this contradiction i would argue is really at the heart of india's foreign policy under under the narendra modi government that it will that it will you know seek to burnish its image as somewhat of a global leader while also you know telling its domestic constituents that it doesn't really care for international validation mm, absolutely colonel again i agree with you 100% i think today when we look at again the complexity of the relationship between us and china of course it's not fair to get in everyone involved but meanwhile it is rather rather tricky for the country of india to maintain its international balance and also to seeing this economic projection without being interfered by any international crisis such as the war in ukraine the deadlock between us and china and also we'll look at this military growing in in asia etc Well again ladies and gentlemen it's my great honor to speak to Mr. Kono Prohit and again Kono it's a uh, international journalist and again I strongly encourage everyone 
go online to check out his latest article, which is entitled Modi's Tiger Warrior Diplomacy, It's Harming India's Interest. Well, Kuno, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. We'd love to have you back on the show as we continue to monitor this political and also this economic change in India and also the matters around the world. So thank you so much for doing this.